When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hacker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we recap OU Pro Day, and then we break down OU's tight ends. And football guys talking basketball, we talk Final Four and the Oklahoma City Thunder, and we finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, April 3rd, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of April, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. And Riverwind Casino, simply the presenting sponsor for this podcast for another year, Ted, they signed contracts are signed. Thank you to the great people over at Riverwind casino. We appreciate the support. Yep. They're fantastic. Um, A lot of good stuff going on there. It's a good partner to have. There's, there's no doubt about that. And once that sports betting stuff, come on, come on. Riverwind. Once, once that all, it, it'll get worked out eventually. It should be, should be good for us. All right. So we are, we're actually recording this a little earlier than we normally do on Sunday afternoon because Thunder played the Suns tonight and I'm going. So we got to get this in. Yeah. You know how it is. But hey, the, we've got plenty of OU football stuff to talk about. Let's get started with that. You and I, we were on the broadcast for Pro Day, uh, for OU Pro Day. Maybe let's just start it this way, Ted. What what stood out to you, man? Uh, I think the most impressive thing of the whole pro day was probably the guy that did the least, and that was Anton Harrison. Um, already put the uh, the good performance out there at the combine, and my goodness, just so relaxed and under control, and looks so athletic and so huge. Uh, also, he, he looked massive. 
I know. Like, I, I don't know who he's been lifting with. Maybe it was the way, you know how you have some of the uh, shirt where you're like, I look good in this shirt. Like it drapes well. I, there may have been some of that going on as well, but like his shoulders and back and like neck, everything looked so much more jacked than it did when he was here a couple months ago. I was the, that was the first thing we pointed out. We were like, "Oh my yeah. god, he looks massive!" Looked huge, moved really well in all of the drills. I thought he was uh, fantastic. Oh, this is this is this is how you know it's an Oklahoma podcast. Are you losing the battle with the wind and the allergies like so many are right now? Yeah. Yeah. It's been one of those days. Uh, sorry about that. Um, it may not be the last time <laughs> during this podcast, but uh, Anton Harrison, I thought was most impressive. He, I, if, if you can just look like a top 15 pick, that's what he looked like. He just so under control and so athletic. It, it was really impressive, and I'm 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 guessing the people that were there in person watching it as well were just as impressed. Yeah, he looked great, right? Uh, I, he looked like a first round pick, right? If you if you draw it up and you're like, hey, what do first round offensive tackles look like and move like? That's it. Yep, they, they look like that. So, and you got to remember, he's only 21 years old. He's not even close to what he's going to be physically and as a player. And teams know that, right? They know that, but you're right, man. He was calm. Now, he's always been kind of that low-key, soft-spoken guy, at least when we're around him. And he just looked relaxed. He looked so smooth in all the pulling drills and all the drills where he was setting and redirecting. He just – I don't know if he could have looked much better. And <laughs> he looked no. awesome. He looked like an old vet going through some drills that he's been doing for five years. And um, it it came across really well. I thought thought some other guys showed well. I thought, you know, Mims looked good in his, his um, you know, limited opportunities. And Eric Gray came out. It's one of the things that we had highlighted to see is what was his 40 going to look like. And he came out and threw down a solid number. Um, and, you know, it's – it's not going to blow you away, but he's middle of the pack for running backs, and that's just right where you'd hope he'd be. Yeah, it seemed like the range from people that were timing uh, there in the indoor, we had gotten you know a four five five, a four five seven. Some people had you know as high as four six three. So the the thing about Eric's forty is, I do think people make it a bigger deal than it is. I think that teams care more now about kind of that GPS data that they have access to from, from college teams and, and what it's like, Hey, how fast does he look when he's playing? How fast is, you know, what's he hitting on that GPS stuff from a miles per hour, you know, and you can see acceleration, all that stuff in that data, but he just needed to avoid a red flag number. And he did. Right. I, yeah. I think high four, five, low four, six, that's, that's about the speed he plays at, right? So I, I think it was it was one of those situations where, hey, what he just ran matches up with what you're seeing on tape and teams team teams know that now. And that's he, he just kind of checked the box. I don't think he I don't think he helped himself, and I certainly don't think he hurt hurt himself. Just kind of, 
all right, he's fast enough. Yep. Nope. I agree. He, I thought he looked really good in the running back drills. Uh, he's super smooth, just, you know, has, has a ton of athleticism and, you know, his, his movement is efficient and fast. And I, I thought he looked really good. Does that mean that he's going to get drafted high? I don't know, but um, I thought all in all, Eric Gray had a pretty good, pretty good performance. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Mims. He got to just sit on everything he did at the combine, you know, from a testing perspective, which, Hey, when you want run four, three, eight in Indianapolis, you, you don't have to do anything but position drills. Them's the rules, but he looks smooth. I, I thought maybe the most impressive stuff he did was the punt returning stuff. Right where he yeah. was holding the ball, catching Absolutely. catching punts one handed. That guy was throwing that exercise ball at him, which was just hilarious. But he looked he looked great, had a smile on his face the entire time. He he looked fast and explosive and, and smooth, caught everything that came his way. So, you know, I I thought he did himself some good. I thought he looked really good. And how about Lossman still got it, man, just letting it rip with that right arm. Yep, Lossman out there throwing to him, and um, they they were laughing a couple of times because it's hard to put it out there for Mims to where he doesn't have to slow down on some of those deep balls. But uh, yeah, I thought I thought Mims showed well. You know, the the more I watch him, the number that he put down, just kind of the overall um, progression, or uh, you know, just just the wide receiver position in the NFL. Like size isn't as big of a factor as it used to be, you know. And I think a guy like Mims, as long as you can you can fly, and that four three eight shows that he can, you know, he he's got tons of production out there. It's hard to, oh, it's hard to really guess where he may go. There's a lot of capable guys, but I think he's going to go fairly high. And you know, depending on where he goes, I think he can be a really productive pro. Yeah, I'm with you, but. Thought he looked really good at pro day. Okay, the I don't know if strange is the right word. Peculiar. The the strangest thing from OU Pro Day was no 40 from Braden Willis. Right? Remember, didn't run one in Indianapolis. And I guess that had something to do with whoever's training him, changing his stance, and he wasn't comfortable. But to not run an Indy and then not run one at Pro Day. You you really just don't see that from guys unless they are like surefire top ten picks. Right. So I I I don't know what to make of it. Ultimately, uh, Braden's film is going to be you know his biggest asset in this process and his leadership, what he meant to the program this season. But it it is it is weird that he didn't run a forty. Yeah, I don't know. I did. Someone told me later that he had mentioned afterwards that something about a hamstring, but but he I ran routes. Yeah, I and I he's running know. deep over routes and go balls and like. I, listen, if you're tweaked, then I I totally get it. But it's just that that information was never relayed to me and you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yep. I don't know. Um, I he's he's not an unathletic guy, and tight ends are not a position where. Like, like 40 seems to be pretty low in the, the pecking order at tight end, unless you're like uh, a guy that's maybe a first or second round type of player. And 
and have an outlier type of number there. I don't know. It's curious. I thought he looked good in, in everything else that he did under control, good athlete, strong, um, you know, look good running routes, you know, but kind of like you said, for Braden, I, I feel like the the hay's been in the barn for a long time with him. It's it's the position versatility, it's the the like the ability to block out of the backfield, block whenever you're on the line as a tight end. He adds a lot of things. He can play special teams for you. I mean, that's going to be his real bread and butter. So uh, it is interesting, uh, peculiar, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't know that it's going to hurt him. Yeah, the only thing that the only thing that I can think of is like he. I, I do think like special teams is going to be a big part of his role on an NFL team. And you and I both know, like, hey, there's a threshold that you have. There is a speed you have to be able to run to be on teams in the NFL. And if you're below a certain number, like, you know, that probably 4.8, low 4.8 is probably the cutoff, maybe high 4.7. They're just not going to put you on teams if you can't run. So that's – I I think he is a four, he's a four sevens type guy, but it's just – I just wanted to see him run. That's it. Yeah, I agree. It's well, it's past now. I yeah. guess maybe if you can't hit that number, then uh, don't do it and leave it up to them to guess, right? Yeah, I mean, all sure. his other numbers would put him in that range, you know, right? Yeah, I mean, solid broad, solid vert. Uh, the, the explosion's clearly there, so I, I don't know, maybe you're probably right. It's probably not a big deal, right? We'll just let, let the tape speak for itself with Braden. We'll see. Hopefully, it's not. Yeah, no, I'm with you. But I think my main takeaway from the entire thing, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but it's like the program needs better athletes, man. I mean, 100%. when you look at it, it is not a coincidence that the most productive players Oklahoma had a season ago were the guys that tested the best. Right, you think Mims, four three eight at the combine in the forty, thirty nine and a half inch vert. Uh, Gray, what at the combine, thirty seven and a half inch vert, nine ten broad, so almost almost ten feet. Harrison runs the four nine eight, the forty like, the three most productive guys on offense, and I know there's not a production measure for Anton Harrison, but I guarantee you, he's the most productive offensive lineman we had. <laughs> right the most productive guys we had were the best testers. And that is, that is not a coincidence, right? It's not. And it goes back to, yes, you want football players, right? It's not all about what you run a 40 in and how high you can jump. Like there's a toughness and physicality and, you know, football IQ and all of that. But, you do need high-end athletes. And you we we saw some of the guys that performed at Pro Day, and I'm not gonna, you know, the numbers are what they are. People can go look them up, but we had guys that were starters or significant rotation guys that put up some numbers where you're like, man, that's just that's not good enough. Uh, we need to get more athletic. If those are if that if that type of athlete was the guy that was on the field playing significant snaps, so 
that was that was kind of my, my main takeaway was hey the best players put up the best numbers yeah and that doesn't happen by accident you know what i mean no it, it doesn't it's it i mean it just kind of lets you know really what shape the roster's in you know you mentioned it there's there's some guys there that played uh starting or significant roles that you know i just to call it how it is looked bad not it's not like the numbers weren't through the roof the, they looked bad and whenever you are a scout and you're used to coming to Oklahoma and and seeing like some of the guys that we've had come through here before, you know, I'm, I mentioned this, what, uh, a week or two ago, whenever we were starting off our spring stuff, where's the freaks, right? We need some athletes playing big, significant roles. And, you know, mainly it's going to be stuff on the line of scrimmage that, that we're talking about here. But, you know, even, even the other position groups, man, I, we should be, it should be guy after guy ripping off four or fives. It should be player after player in the 20 plus reps on the 225 bench. I mean, we've got to have more size. We've got to have more athleticism. It's just, I mean, it's, it's beyond apparent. It's right there in front of us. And I know that we are doing everything we can to, to make over this roster. The transfer portal is tough. Everyone in the country wants the same things, right? Everyone wants line of scrimmage players that have a lot of production. But those guys typically aren't – they're not in the portal. They're in the draft, right? So it's difficult to, to rebuild your roster that way. You can plug some holes and add some depth, but it's got to be done through recruiting. And we've recruited well. Um, it's just going to take some time for that, you know, that conveyor belt to fully get rolling. But – yeah, man, we we've we've got to be uh, a bigger, faster, stronger football team. There is absolutely no way around it. Yeah, after after watching some of the stuff from Pro Day, it, it's clear there's some serious work to do when it comes to elevating the types of athletes that Oklahoma has in the program. And they're they're working on it, right? They're working on it, but. Yep. It just doesn't happen overnight. But yeah, as you and I watch some of that, we're like, we need bigger, faster, more explosive humans. Yep. And you got to work like hell to find them. And then you got to work like hell to keep them. Yep. And develop them. I mean, those guys, you know, there are guys that show up on your, on your campus day one as freshmen that are, athletically there but the majority of guys it has to be developed and built and worked on for years to get to where you know combine numbers that stand out from the rest of college football are uh are being thrown out there yep all right let's let's continue our breakdown of OU spring roster and we're talking tight ends ted and as i was looking at the roster for this i started getting nervous and I don't like that because this is probably the position group I'm most concerned about on the entire team. And it has nothing to do with coaching. I think Joe John Finley is a rock star. 
I, I I've seen that man in action. The dude, he's one hell of a coach. But you just look at you look at the numbers right now, and you've got Austin Stogger and then a bunch of guys that haven't played a meaningful offensive snap, meaningful offensive snap at Oklahoma. That's just that's where the position's at right now, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, we are incredibly thin. You've got Stogner, and right now, that's really all you've got because of of injury right now. So it's difficult for the offense to work their full range of of personnel groupings. Um, I will say that. You know, going out to practice and watching, I thought Stogner actually looks really good right now. Um, what exactly does that mean as far as production coming up this season? I'm not sure, but, you know, one of the things that we always talked about early on whenever he got here was, was you know, getting bigger and stronger, and then he had the injury, lost a ton of weight, wasn't able to, to do the strength and conditioning stuff like you had hoped, and just really struggled. Well, time has passed. And the dude is fully back and healthy because he's gigantic. He is a he is a very big body. Now, uh, I think his his experience, his maturity, bring a lot to the tight end room, especially with the departure of Braden Willis and just had the leadership role he had on the team in 2022. However, I I'm fired up. Stogner's back, but I just don't think it's realistic to expect him to have some huge production jump. I hope I'm wrong, but when you look at his most productive year of his career was 2020, he had 422 yards receiving. That's his most productive year as a college football player. He's not a, he's not a fast guy, right? He he does not have great speed. You either have to scheme him open or, and we've seen him do it. Like he's got to go over the top of guys, high point the ball and win in competitive catch situations. He's not a guy that's going to, you know, be a Chris super crisp route runner and run away from guys. That's just not him. So then I start looking at the roster. I was like, Hey, do we even have, do we have one of those kind of X factor weapons that tied in? And I don't know. Caden Helms. I haven't seen him. He's hurt again. I haven't seen him. I don't know. It looks good in a jersey standing there on the sideline out of practice. He makes 6'5", 231 look good, but I I just don't – I don't really know where the production from the tight end position is going to come from. Yeah. Which is I'm, concerning. Yeah. I'm there with you. I, I actually feel like Stogner is – has the chance to become – a pretty good weapon for him if they go that route, which, you know, I, you've got to make a real effort to to get the tight ends involved in the passing game with what you're going to do. Um, I don't know if that's if they feel like that's going to be a real strength for him or not, but I I think he's a good enough mismatch, and if you do scheme it right, I think there should be some really good opportunities. But like I think the best way to look at it is I feel like you're going to be able to directly tie Stogner's production to the running game. If our running game is clicking along is excellent and, and we're able to chew up yards, running some inside stuff and, 
the interior of our offensive line is is more physical than a year ago. I think that will directly help uh, Austin Stogner have production. Will it unfold that way? I don't know, but someone is going to have to start developing really quickly other than Stogner. And the problem is they're missing all the development time right now. Yeah, that's the issue. You got Caden Helms missing the entire spring and Jason Llewellyn missing the entire spring. Looking at Helms, like I mentioned, dude looks good in a jersey. I mean, he looks like a jumbo wide receiver to me, but he's got some thickness in his lower half. I, I just don't know what he is. I don't know what he can be, and neither neither does the staff because you just haven't went. that. That's spring is the time when guys like Caden Helms and Jason Llewellyn can prove to the coaches like, Hey, you can trust me. I'm ready for this. Right. I, you, you can, you can put me on the field. I can be the guy in 12 personnel or hell. Levy loves 11. You can trust me to be the one tight end out on the field. Llewellyn and Helms just aren't getting that opportunity to prove that they can do that right now. Cause they're, you know, they're over on the side working with Schmitty. Yep. And that's, they are missing, they're missing really valuable reps. And not only for their skill development, right? To learn, you, you, spring is a time where you learn, you know, what works for you, what you can do, what you can't do, your limitations, your strengths, your weaknesses as a player. And they're missing all of that. And they're, I, I think maybe more than anything, they're missing the opportunity to prove to Levy, like, hey, I'm ready. You can trust me. Let's do this. And yep. I, I just don't know what that means for the program going into the fall from an offensive personnel standpoint. It's not good. There's <laughs> plenty of time um, for those guys to to heal up, get ready, um, which <sighs> – do we expect both those guys to be back for the summer to have a full summer? I all remember when BV gave his injury update, all he said was what Helms knee and Llewellyn foot. So I, I would assume both of those guys are going to be ready to go in June. Yeah. If, if, if they're, they're not, man, then and you fall even yeah. further behind. I, that's when things yikes. get interesting. Is uh, if you have guys that are working through injuries and then are able to have a full summer to get right, get back in shape, try and take whatever lagging uh, issues that you have from that with compensation or whatever and get your body back close to normal as possible before you start training camp, then I don't I don't feel that worried about it. If that's delayed and those guys don't have a full summer, then I start to get concerned because it's not easy to walk back from an injury and go directly into training camp and expect to stay healthy. You've got to really, really be in shape and, you know, stacking a really, a full good summer before training camp is, is what those guys need. Like just in like just to get healthy and be ready, but like they need it for development too. We still, like we were just talking about need to get bigger, faster, stronger. And it seems to me like, we have a full training room of guys that are banged up, not lifting, not running, not practicing. That is not good for a football team. Definitely not. And you, know, you look at the tight end position. Llewellyn's one of those guys. 
kind of more of an old school tight end, right? Do a little bit of everything in line type of guy. Kind of looks like what you think a tight end would look like. I do like the energy he brings. He's he's kind of a rah-rah guy, and you need some of those guys. Mm-hmm. But God is, he's got to prove that he's ready. And that's hard to do with no spring practice. And I will say, listed at 264, young fella. <laughs> let's be careful. Let's 264 is getting up there, man. Let's let that 264 is a cheeseburger from 270 now. So let's let's be careful. <laughs> let's he's be coming, careful. He's, he- He's knocking on the door of adding some depth to the offensive line. <laughs> he, he He's knocking on the door that I walked through, my friend. <laughs> oh, All of a sudden, they, they approach you. Hey, you know what? He we, moves really well. We we think you could play. We think you could play center in the NFL. What do you think about that? <laughs> oh, coach, I trust you. Yeah, yeah. Don't, you don't want to have that conversation, Llewellyn. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm That's just saying. Good. Do you know who number 80 is? <laughs> yes. We saw about it practice. Josh Fanuel? Fanuel? I don't know. Played, don't know basket- to... played Division II basketball last year. And he's out there as your uh, 12 personnel tight end, and then he got banged up. Like, it's just <laughs> the tight end room is. There's no one. There's no one there. It's Stogner. just Stogner. <laughs> Yeah, well, Stogner looked really good when I was out there, so that made me feel good. But, um, yeah, depth is 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 really bad right now. It's they've got a real issue there, and I don't know if it's something that they're going to try and hit in the in the transfer portal post spring, uh, which I'm guessing they probably will. I, but you know, we know at this point. Picked over, say whatever you want about the transfer portal. It would be a shock if you were to find a quality, like, too deep type of tight end in the transfer portal post-spring. Maybe it happens. Maybe someone's unhappy with the way the offense is moving, the direction they're going, and decide to jump in the portal. But, you know, they'll be looking for guys that are essentially just adding depth. They need... McIntyre to get here, man. No kidding. We don't even know if he's going to be on offense. Well, that may, that decision may have already been made for him just because of numbers. <laughs> That's true. And I I don't know. The, the Blake Smith kid that transferred in, I haven't, haven't even seen him. I don't know. I haven't either. Yeah, that seems to be a mystery right now. The yeah, good so- thing – is that McIntyre, we know, is doing curls somewhere right now, uh, getting ready. He's probably <laughs> added 10 pounds of muscle since since we last saw him. Him and his dad are just lifting. Su- super set in squats and curls right now somewhere. There's no doubt. All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys how you feel about OU's tight end situation right now. This first one, which, gosh, this made me laugh, comes from... At Oki Meat Guy, who says, I hear the tight end room put in a booty call. Let's see how that plays out as far as depth and production for that group. OU football. I I blame you. Went to the Kenny Chesney concert on Saturday night, Ted, which was April 1st, April Fool's Day. Right. OU makes a joke on their official Twitter account. 
Get it? General Booty, tight end. Get it? He's not moving to tight end, people. I got asked 15 times about that at the Kenny Chesney concert. People stopped me and were like, dude, you think Booty can be a good tight end? I was like, what? He's not moving to tight end. They're like, no, no. They tweet. I was like, dude, it's an April Fool's joke. So many people thought that was real. I thought it was real. Oh, no. Oh, no. Ted, the reason, Ted. You know why I thought it was real? Because I know that we have one tight end on the roster right now in spring football. Right? That's why I thought it was real. I was like, well, they had to move someone there to, to at least get some reps. <laughs> they, they have I- employed the services of number 98 in some of the uh, 12 personnel stuff. Uh, I, I believe he's a D lineman. I, not the not the fleetest of foot guy, but yeah, no, it's General Booty is not going to be a tight end. Still playing quarterback. I no offense to General, don't think he would thrive at the tight end position. Not a uh, not a big bodied guy. Don't think that would go particularly well for him. But you think you could play tight end right now? Absolutely. Well, why don't you go practice? They'd have to pay me well, really well. How much would it take for me to go practice and play tight end? Like I'm, I'm blocking back on Reggie Grimes on split zone. Um, probably a thousand bucks of practice. Maybe. What if they promised that you were the on the line of scrimmage guy every time? The, the, the the price, the, the, the starting price is a thousand dollars an hour. So that's $2,000 per practice. That's the first thing I thought of is like, because I know that you can bring people into practice. It's a weird rule that I never really knew existed until, well, who was it that Alabama brought in to mimic a quarterback one year? It was it was some guy that was in the NFL and was no longer in the NFL, and they brought him in to. Oh, was it like, like Trent Richardson or something? No, he was playing quarterback for him. I can't remember who it was, but yeah, you can have guys come out and be like a practice player for you. That's all they are. Practice squad. I have, I have Googled using former players in practice is how, how Alabama stays ahead of the curve. Let's see what comes up. This is great podcasting, by the way. (laughs) I mean, just tremendous. Uh, Honor belongs to, Sonny Dykes had Marshawn Lynch come practice. Blake Sims played the part of Texas A&M QB Trevor Knight. There you go. So there you go. There's your. There's yeah. what you were thinking of. And that interesting. is interesting. Little known rule that I, I I had no idea you could do that until I I saw that. It would be they would have to pay me handsomely to do that. Could you yeah. imagine that conversation with my wife? Hey, honey, I know baby number two's coming in three weeks, but I'm gonna go. I'm going to go get some spring ball in with the boys. <laughs> what? Oh, that's funny. I'll see you later. I got meetings. They may pay decently right now for some for some good tight end work. Yeah. No kidding. Ugh. All right. Birthday shout-outs time. Hey, Waylon Wyatt. Yeah, you, Waylon. You're the man. Tumor messed with the wrong guy, bud. You're going to crush it. Good luck with the surgery. We know you got this, man. Come on, Waylon. You got it. You got it. That's going to be good. That's awesome. Um, Good shout out there. I love that. 
Welcome to the world, Josiah Barber. Happy first birthday to Caroline Reagan Roy. Happy 15th birthday to Kasia. Happy 67, 62nd birthday to Stanley Bollinger. And happy birthday to Wyatt McClure. All right, we've got we've got some hoops to talk about in FGTB. Yes, but first. Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit that road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with an expanded mobile to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamari. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise and is the best place to get your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. You want to live your life in buttery soft comfort? Go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your, 10 off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, I bet you're hungry out there. Huh? Hungry? Head to the garage for hand-smashed petty, pa- petties. What's a petty? <laughs> hand-smashed patties, like a burger patty. There we go. Butter-toasted buns and ice-cold beer. The food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find the location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, football guys talking basketball, FGTB. Final four, one game was great. The other, not so much. Let's start with the one that was great. FAU San Diego State, that was awesome. A lot of A lot of chatter about what the ratings would be for this game. And do we like mid-majors in the final four? Some people want to see the big brands. I get it. Well, the two mid-majors gave us an awesome game. Mm -hmm. Game of runs. Both teams shot it really well, especially from three. I liked the pace of the game, the pace that FAU forced San Diego State to play. It felt like FAU had control of the game multiple times, Ted. But... Ultimately, San Diego State just wouldn't die, man. It's crazy. I I really never felt like FAU was going to lose the game until I looked up and there was like 20 seconds left and San Diego State was still just right there. Um, it was wild. And that last exchange, I mean, the way it went down was great. I, you know, I was, for whatever reason, pulling for FAU. And I thought the, the way that they were doing it, letting the clock run down, one opportunity, not calling timeout, I was like, they're going to lose. Wrong. Hit a uh, really nice mid-range jumper, moving to his left. That was that was beautiful. It was. And Lamont Butler now a legend forever with that one, right? Yep. I mean, wins it at the buzzer for San Diego State. What do you – I know you just touched on a little bit. What do you think about Dutcher not calling timeout? Just letting him go. Shocked. 
because he wasn't in a good spot. He 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 what he went around the right wing down kind of to the baseline and, and like pinned himself in and then escaped back out and was moving back out towards the key, top of the queue to his to his left and pulled up and hit it. I I thought he was going to be unaware that the clock was about to run down. Maybe I was the only one panicking for him at that time, but um, I thought it was playing right into FAU's hands. But sometimes you just got to trust your gut, and I guess his gut was telling him to to let it roll out. This is going to be our best chance. Yeah. Gut is, hey, don't let him get their defense set. Let's yeah. let's roll the dice. And, hey, it's one of the best decisions of Brian Dutcher's life, not calling timeout right there. I mean, who knows what ha- what would happen, but – I thought this was crazy. I saw it. Uh, I saw this on ESPN. That is the only buzzer beater in Final Four history where the winning team was trailing at the time of the shot. They've all been, I guess, tied. Yeah, I huh. could. I that was shocking to me. And now I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put the time in to go through all the buzzer beaters that had happened in the Final Four. Maybe the list isn't very long. But I thought that that was one of those where it's like literally a historic shot from Lamont Butler. It's the only time it's ever happened in the history of the Final Four. What? That's that seems that's a shock. That's a shock. But you know, it's rare. I I loved it. I thought it was great. I mean, that's ultimately that what you hope is going to happen, especially whenever you've got. Uh, a final four that maybe doesn't have teams that have a huge fan base, right? Where you're, you've got a a bunch of general fans that would just like to see a good game. That's kind of the ending that you're hoping for. Yeah. We got a great game. I I, I thought Matt Bradley was awesome for San Diego state. Elijah Martin. That dude is fun to watch for FAU. Best of luck to Dusty May holding on to him. Mm-hmm. There can be a lot of people after that guy. But it was just watching that game unfold and seeing the ending and all of it, it. It was by far the best game of the two. It was a good reminder that maybe we shouldn't bitch so much about the matchups. And like, we should just hope for a great game. And that is, that's exactly what we got. You you never know when a classic is coming. You never know, man. That's right. And it does you no good to complain about it anyways, because like, what are you going to do? You got 64 teams in there. It's not predetermined, although some people maybe suggest it is. And, um, I, you know, this is a good example to show you that it's not, but you never know. Just like you said, you never know what matchup's going to create an instant classic. Sometimes it's two unknowns. Sometimes it's the number one against an unknown. You just never know what you're going to see. That's why we love sports, right? The other game was not a classic. Nope. UConn. You talk about a game where it the never good felt like. The matchup was the bad game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You talk about a game where it never felt like UConn was in jeopardy. I mean, they were in control. And I know that, hey, Miami made a big run in each half, once in each half, right? But UConn just answered and kind of just punched, punched them right back in the face and just went out and got out to another double-digit lead. And it was just it was so clear that UConn's size and length, this just in, having big people in basketball is good. I mean, Miami yeah. looked uncomfortable 
trying to score this shot poorly in UConn's defense and their ability to alter shots was a huge part of that. Now, Miami did miss a ton of layups, but that's that's the threat of shot blockers at the rim for UConn. Another double-digit win for the Huskies, man. They're rolling through the tournament. Yep. that's That was your pick from the beginning, right? I feel like a genius. Smart pick. Yeah, that, that wasn't much of a game. Uh, for me, it was one of those where it was just kind of checking in on it every now and then. And every time I checked in on it, it was like, okay, well, that's unfortunate. But um, I, what do you, what does that mean for us for the final? Well, like, how do you see that unfolding? San Diego State, UConn style-wise. I, I think UConn's better at playing the style that San Diego State wants to play. Right now, FAU, they pushed the pace. And like, that's why that game was so much more entertaining to me is it was way more up and down than what we saw in the Miami-UConn game. I don't think San Diego State can beat UConn playing their style. I think they have to do some things differently. And I know you don't want to completely change what you do when you've gotten this far, but I, I don't think... Now the, the the defense is good for San Diego State, right? That's that's their calling card, but I just don't see it happening, man. Uh, I think that the way that San Diego State plays is exactly how UConn wants to play, and UConn's got superior athletes. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully, we get a good game. Hopefully, San Diego State hits some shots, is able to keep it tight, and uh, who knows what may happen in the end, but. Matchup is set, whether you like it or not. Here we go. Yeah, I will. If San Diego State, because in the Miami game, you caught, it was basically really great looks at the rim, right? Sonogo, one of the other big guys, or them dribble driving and passing out to guys that were very open to shoot threes. I, I think San Diego State will defend them better than what we saw Miami do but i still i don't think san diego state's got the horsepower man miami tried the uh the iowa defense and it didn't work out very good it did not (laughs) yeah well um fascinated to see what happens uh yukon geez what they uh did they win a title or they just make the final four and then Whenever they hired Ollie, they and then they went through a bunch of sanctions and stuff. Like they've kind of been out of it for a little bit, and then they, here they come roaring back, right? Yeah, they. There's been a big argument about them being a blue blood or not. They won in 2014, right? So, I mean, it's it hasn't been that long, you know, right. but. But this is, they're going for their fifth title since 99. That's pretty big. That's, yeah. That's blue blood territory, if you ask me. I think that would be better than any pro, any other program in that time span. That's crazy. So how, how can the team with the most, most titles in that time span not be a blue blood? That don't make no sense. Well, especially if they back it up with a win here, I, I don't think you can deny it, right? I, I will be very surprised if they. If I know they don't it's win. different, but 
I guess the fact that this is the first year since what 2007 that their women didn't make the final four, like that's kind of significant too when it comes to like I know it's I know it's women's, but I mean it just kind of shows your status in the basketball world, doesn't it? Yeah. I UConn is back in a yes, big way. Yes, they are. They got some pros on that team. All right. Let's talk a little thunder and I it feels so good to care about the games again. But these losses are taking years off my life, damn it. Hey, whenever you pain whenever, whenever you push the accelerator and you decide to go be invested in something and these games start to mean something, they mean more when you win, but it's also more painful when you lose, Gabe. Yeah, so we're recording this before the Thunder play the Suns, and hey, maybe they win that game, and all this built-up frustration I now have will subside. But with what we've seen over these last couple, it feels like the squad is trending in the wrong direction as the pressure increases. Hornets loss, bad. It took a last-second tip-in from Jalen Williams to beat the worst team in the league in the Pistons. And then they go to Indiana and shoot four of 30 from three, get destroyed on the glass, and let TJ McConnell cook their ass, and they lose to the Pacers. Without Tyrese Halliburton, without Miles Turner, I'm just just getting a little frustrated, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really in. I'm emotionally invested, and they're not playing as well as I want them to play. And it's frustrating. I know. It's um I guess it's 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 frustrating. You know, whatever you you've been in what everyone would consider to be tank mode, I guess. And then it's not as easy as shifting gears out of that mode, I guess, right? And I don't know. These seem like games that it it lined up what with ten left, it lined up about as good as it could have for them, right? for the remaining schedule and in the way the standings looked and the give me's have not been give me's. Luckily the Mavs are just that thing's off the rails there in Dallas. <laughs> if it wasn't for them, I don't, I don't know. My emotional state would be even worse, but you look at the Indiana game. I mean, Shea goes for what? 39, nine and four and they lose. And I get, hey, he misses the fadeaway, right, to tie the game with, what was it, under 10 seconds, like eight seconds to go. But then the Pacers miss the free throw. The door is open. And Jalen Williams, who has been awesome, been fantastic, just casually, for whatever reason, just decides, hey, I'm going to throw a one-handed, left-handed pass to Isaiah Joe and just airmail it, and they don't even they don't even get a shot off? I mean, what? Uh, see, that it, it's stuff like that that – make people think that teams tank on purpose, right? Well, it was just like, what in the hell? And the plan was to get it to the guy that was 0 of 8 on the night? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> he, he did, didn't hit a three. It was, it was just one Isaiah Joe's night. Maybe the theory was, hey, he's due. He's but due. <laughs> I, Maybe I was, that's why he missed the passes. Like, he thought he was passing to someone else, and then last second, it's like, oh, no, not to show. I was, I was at the OU – Texas softball game at Hall of Fame Stadium, watching this all unfold on my phone. 
And the people sitting around me were like, this guy either knows nothing about softball or <laughs> something's wrong with it. Cause I was just reacting at times where it made no sense with what was going on on the field. Oh, I'm reacting funny. to the game on my phone. And I got a couple like, is this dude all right? Looks. Oh, that's funny. Good crowd, by the way. Oh, yeah, I know. I I oh. assume we'll hit that in winners and losers. Yes, we but will. The, uh, the last thing I want to say about the Thunder, I have not lost sight of the fact that this is all bonus, right? Right? We're not supposed to be in this mix like this. I, And then I hear the stuff from Dagnall after these games, talking about the long-term vision, the process, not deviating from it, right? Just because the play-in is within grasp. And I hear that, I'm like, hey, can't we just change just for like a couple games, you know? <laughs> just can't, can't, the, can't the focus just shift? Right? It's, it's right there. Let's grab it. Let's do what we got to do to grab it, you know? You can still stay long-term focused and have your core principles and philosophy and still, you know, as things change from day to day in front of you, adapt a different strategy, right? It can still be part of the process. Yeah. That's it. And maybe it that is process, part of the process. Maybe the process doesn't, doesn't involve putting Poku on the floor, you know? Maybe that part of the process should be taken out of the process. I'm just saying. Oh, he's had a rough stretch. Not not a ton of minutes, but rough stretch for for our man Poku. You got it. You got any other Thunder thoughts? I'm just if the, if if we get hammered by the Suns, not I'm not going to be in good shape when we record Wednesday. I know that. So what do we have? Is is there five games left? Four. Four games left. And got Phoenix. I'm just going to choose to believe that the Thunder play their best game of the year tonight. Mm-hmm. And that we win the, Durant's back. Who knows? You got Phoenix, Golden State, Utah, and Memphis. The good thing about the last two is Utah is in full tank mode, but that really hasn't mattered. Right. We played all these crappy teams and haven't played well. And then Memphis may have their seed locked up by that last game. Uh, they're currently sitting in second. So I, I, and Sacramento is two games back from, so I think Memphis may sit everyone in that game. So. Well, I guess all you could do, what you should do is just win out and see where you fall. Right. Just, just hope that the Mavs keep sucking. Just hope the Mavs keep sucking. <laughs> All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City, grounded in a faith-based education. Students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSS AA athletics where they've won over 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. 
And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Well, I'm going with OU Baseball. Um, now, they are in game four of a four-game series with Stanford right now, so we don't know uh, the final result, but Thursday night, uh, they got it handed to them. They gave up over 20 runs, um, but they bounced back Friday night and got the win yesterday to take the 2-1 lead, so at least going to get out of this thing all square with Stanford 2-2. Uh, but have an opportunity to win the series 3-1. And after that opening night, did not look very good. And Stanford is a really good team. College World Series team from a year ago. Uh, they're deep, got a lot of good arms on that team. So Oklahoma's been, they've been struggling a little bit. They've been, you know, offensively, they've gone through some injuries. Uh, they've had some guys banged up. They're trying to get their, their ro pitching rotation a little more solidified. So they've had some struggles. But um, the fact that they've bounced back against a, a really good Stanford team after that opening game uh, tells you a lot about the fight that they've got right now. Yeah. I, Skip's the man. Yep. He, he is. I, I trust him to, by the, by the end of the season, right, when, these, when, when things are really on the line, I trust that team to be in a much different place than it is right now. Yeah. They got to get healthy. That's one of the biggest things. They've got to get healthy. They've got some guys that have been banged up in and out of the lineup. And um, they need someone to emerge like they did last year down the stretch, uh, you know, from, from the pitching group. Like it's, you know, they, they've got to continue to get better and better. It's tough replacing some of the guys that they had to replace from a year ago. Had a had an incredible run. But um, I think they'll round into shape for sure. Future is bright for OU baseball. I, I do think the trip to the championship series last year has a lot more people invested way earlier in the season in OU baseball than I can remember. Yep. I'm seeing way more about it, like on my timeline and stuff like people and a lot of it's frustration, <laughs> but yep. it, it doesn't, it feel like people are more into it than a year ago, like way yes, more. Into sure. It. And I feel like, I feel like they've had decent crowds um, as long as weather and everything is, has cooperated, they've had good turnout at some of their, their home series. So, yeah, hopefully that continues. They continue to get better, and hopefully they pull out this fourth game against Stanford. I think they're down right now. It was all square, and I think Stanford just put a, a nice little inning together, but we've got time to bounce back. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Mike White, head coach, Texas softball. So, for those who don't know, this week, 
leading into the series, a TV station in Austin, which is great, by the way. I think it was a TV station in Austin. Um, they put together like this little montage of some of the players and the coaches talking about the upcoming series against Oklahoma. And in one of the clips, Mike White is talking about how Oklahoma rebuilds and says, well, some of it's not, well, I'm not going to say anything. Suggesting that Oklahoma, with what they're doing rebuilding, what they've done in the in the transfer portal, is not on the up and up. And Oklahoma fans noticed. I thought it was hilarious that whoever was editing the clips left that part in. But they've been getting it handed to them. They had what's already a, a rowdy fan base, even even more rowdy whenever they played that game up in OKC in front of, what, 9,000 people. What I thought was great is after the game, and I can't believe the media let him get away with this at the time. He said he didn't call Patty Gasso a cheater. He implied it, but he didn't say she's a cheater. <laughs> what is that? That's crazy. I all, all I know is they they got swept. <laughs> That's he he did his team no favors heading into a series against the best team in the country. Right. What was he doing? I don't know. Did I so I was at the game at Hall of Fame Stadium. I was one of the nearly what 9,000 people that yeah. were there to watch a regular season softball game. The the best part is like yes some of the some of the stretches that Oklahoma put together at the plate during that game were awesome but the best part of that game was every time Mike White came out to do anything he got the absolute <laughs> shit boot out of him <laughs> it was so fun like i was dying laughing at it and of course i was booing i mean of course yeah. It, everybody in that stadium knew every single person and it, it, the softball, like there's a, there's an older crowd with the softball stuff, or at least where I was sitting, like, and they all knew someone had gotten in the Facebook groups and let, and let everyone know because he was getting booed every second he was visible. It was so funny. Yeah. Well, and this isn't like the first thing with Mike White, right? You had the the Kentucky situation earlier this year where they stalled and they were losing in a game because they had that hard out time. You had um, the double birds last year. Which double was... birds last year. I mean, he's already a controversial figure, uh, and OU fans have not liked him uh, for a long time, so this was just kind of the icing on the cake. But, yeah, they, uh, they got it handed to him just like you expected they would. He... Mike White had to feel like him implying that Patty Gasso is a cheater was the reason they fell apart in the bottom of the seventh. He had to be like, that's, that's the softball gods, like humbling me and punishing me for what I said. Yeah. That or it was my rally cap that I was wearing on my couch. Yeah. I, I don't know if when you have habitual line steppers, like Mike White is, I don't know that those thoughts ever come, come back. Right. I think instead it was just justification for what he said and, in his, in his mind is what I'm saying. And for some reason, like his, 
him saying he didn't say it, like didn't say it was, it was like the weakest thing I'd ever heard. But for some reason, it just sounded better because he's Australian and everything sounds awesome coming out of his mouth. So you're like, wait, what? I was distracted by the accent, but he really didn't say anything in his no defense. He said, <laughs> like, other, than, other than the fact that he said he didn't, he implied it. He didn't say that she was a cheater. And the other thing is that he he ended up trying to suggest that Texas is one of the have-not programs out there. That was... When it comes to uh, financials. My mind almost exploded when I heard that reasoning for, like, the when he was saying, oh, you just in such better OU softball is in such better shape NIL wise than Texas softball. My mind almost like it almost melted my brain. I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Well that direct that anger at your fan base, not at Patty Gasso, right? If, if you're in a a worse situation NIL wise, then that's a, that goes back to your fans. That has nothing to do with Oklahoma. Well, Mike White took a swing at the queen and, we all saw what happened. Oh, Sweep. Man. Get the brooms out, Patty. Let's go. All right. Let's get to my winner and loser. But first, John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. Family owned and operated. They got nine full service dealerships Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. Here's how it works. Buy a new or used car with them. All you have to do is get the manufacturer-recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership, and if something goes wrong, then any of the components of your engine, transmission, drive axle, transfer unit, they'll cover all the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. People, make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the weekend, I thought about going with Frank Solich. I love seeing that. Man, been 20 years since they fired him there at Nebraska. And I guess he hasn't been back since. Jeez. But... Nebraska announced they'll be honoring him at their spring game. It, that's cool. I like, I like seeing situations like that getting settled. It's like they're trying to reverse the curse because smart by Matt Rule. He's like, hey, we need pretty- everyone all in. Like anyone that yeah. can help this program get back to where we want it to be, we need everyone pulling in the same direction. It's like Frank, come, you're coming that's back. Right. I, I, I can't deal with this. That's right. Yeah, it's um. They're trying to right all of the wrongs out there because it has not been good there. They've had, they've had, I guess, since he was fired, they had one or two moments there where it, it wasn't terrible, but all in all, it's kind of, kind of the nail in the coffin there, so to speak, was it when they let Solich go. Yeah. But my winner of the weekend is Caitlin Clark. 
and we are recording this right before the title game tips off. And, and I don't care what happens in that title game. She's at the winner of the weekend either way. They could lose to LSU. They could beat LSU and win a national championship. But she's my winner of the weekend without even knowing what happens in that game. Because what she, the show she put on on Friday night was fantastic. She cooked South Carolina. Whoa. 41, six and eight. And I feel like you look at the final four on the men's side, the final four on the women's side, they're just no doubt, Ted. She, she is the star of college basketball right now. Yep. Without a doubt. And really has been for a while, but with the increased visibility of the tournament, more people are, are being able to see what she's done. I, she is, she's like, she's Steph Curry of, of women's basketball. She hits threes from super deep, been doing that for a couple of years now. And uh, they've got a really good team. I think I, as impressive as her shooting has always been, the, wave of dismissal to the South Carolina girl hanging out at the three-point line. Trust me, Ooh. I know how that feels as a basketball player whenever you've got the ball at the three-point line and no one on the floor is even looking Whoa, Hold on. You. you know how that feels. Yeah. yeah. You you got that treatment back in the day? Well, I'm just saying like pick up basketball. Uh, they don't respect the jumper? No. What? Of course not. I can yep. see you I always envision you being like a knockdown, like set shot guy. Like you have two modes to the rim, trying to dunk on someone and then a set shot three. Like that's how I envision your basketball game. I've never seen you play basketball though. No, no, not, not a good shooter. No, my entire life was spent seeing how high I could touch on the backboard. That does not translate translates well to dunking the ball. Good. And rebounding does not translate well to shooting. <laughs> now I know. Now everyone knows. But I know I know the I know the, the little wave of dismissal. How about that? Was that oh, crazy? I I was so confused by how South Carolina just let Caitlin Clark beat him. Like the fact that they didn't force her to give the ball up more blew my mind and, and Don Staley's an awesome coach, but I don't think she's, she's known for, you know, her tactics or anything like that. Her adjustments. Yeah. I, I was just stunned. They allowed her pick and roll. They just switch it. They never like blitzed her. They never doubled her. Like make anyone else beat you, especially late in the game and in those inbounds plays. Don't guard the ball, double her, make someone else catch it yeah. and hit free throws. I, I just listen. Don Staley knows a lot more about basketball than I do. I guarantee you that. But I was on my couch going, "What are they doing?" Yeah. Well, I I know that it, it was a big enough game to where I had it was like I told my wife on Friday night. I was like, "Oh, we got to watch this game," and she's like, "Is something? What has gotten into you? Like, why are we watching this game?" I was like, "Oh." Look, Trust me, trust me. This is this is something. This is must see t- uh, television. It was awesome. And then uh, it probably didn't take her long to go. Oh, yeah, that chick's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And hey, I just 
I like the fact that we get to see uh, Mulkey continue to wear some of the most outlandish. She looks like she should be in Hunger Games or something with these amazing. outfits. I feel like she's just doing like it, it, she has to know how it looks. Kim Mulkey is not a stupid person. I feel like she's doing it just to troll Baylor fans. Yeah. Like just, oh, you guys wanted to get rid of me? I'm going to wear this. What's up? (laughs) It's like, but last thing on Caitlin Clark, I think Jordan Brand should sign her to a shoe deal while she's still in college. And I will be praying every day until next year's WNBA draft because she has to come back for another year with how the draft rules work right now. I will be praying every night that she somehow, some way ends up on the Dallas Wings. Just <laughs> come on, baby. Come on, Caitlin Clark. She's awesome. All right, for my loser of the weekend, thought about going with the Australian Grand Prix, Ted. Just a weird ending. Weird ending. I, in a shocker for Stefan wins. I know you're stunned. Oh. But like had two red flag restarts that. late because of crashes out. It's just a little choppy. It's just weird. Just a weird ending. Yeah. Well, weird or not, they tried to chop up the end to see if anyone could uh, take a stab at Verstappen. Not happening, I guess. No. Crazy. Dude's, dude's Superman in a car. Super, uh, just ridiculous. But my loser of the weekend, NBA load management. NBA and NBA Players Association have reportedly agreed on a new CBA. And in that new CBA, it states that players will have to play at least 65 games to be available for the MVP and for all NBA teams. Ted, I can tell just by the smirk on your face, you are skeptical. Well, how many guys are up for the MVP? I would say realistically each season, but this season it's three. Yeah. Right. Giannis beating Jokic. Those are the guys that people are wanting to see. Um, I think it's a good thing. Any anything that they do to to try and get these guys to play more of those games, I'm down for it. Even if you have to allow them to smoke weed in order to get it, get to hey, it. Yeah, that's part of it too. <laughs> so here's the give take, right? You got to play more games, but we're no longer testing for marijuana. Yeah, but ESPN <laughs> said that the 65 game minimum does come with quote. Some conditions, which I'm not sure what that means. Uh, We'll end up seeing what that means, but I do think this is a good thing for the league. It's been something that a lot of people have been discussing for a long time, right? Star players sitting out games when they're healthy enough to play. And I like them tying these types of awards to that, right? People pay a lot of money to watch these guys play. And if you are able to play, you should play. That's that's kind of always been my thought on it, but I, I'm interested to see if they attach like a minutes minimum for a game because you could just check a guy in and then check him right back out. I, I think the famous one of that is I think it was Drew Holiday. Like he needed to play in one game to hit a hit a bonus. It's like a two hundred thousand dollar bonus or something like that, and he just did the tip off. Did like they just turned it over and he just left. Yeah. <laughs> just went and settled the bench, but. I don't know if there'll be any type of m- m- minutes thing tied to this, but I do think overall it's a good thing for the league. Yeah, it's they're at least trying to address it. I mean, they know it's not good. And, you know, I'm actually curious to see what the future for the NBA looks like. Their, their television ratings are massively down, 
and the regional like television situation that they've had for a long time that really was the explosion of the league and the contracts and the amount of money that they're making seems to be falling apart um, to some degree. So I'm interested to see how they shift and see if they can keep that revenue going because that, that, you know, um, like the luxury tax and the, the salary caps all tied to the revenue. And if that revenue starts to shrink, things could look really weird really quickly. Yeah. The, the other, the other thing that I I think there are a couple other things that I think will benefit the thunder in what the new CBA looks like. Uh, I, I saw Woj put out that in that they, in the new CBA, they agreed to eliminate the restrictions, limiting a team to two designated supermax players. So when you start thinking about the thunder down the line with Shay and Chet and Jalen Williams and Giddy, it's that could be very beneficial. And then they also put some stuff in there that essentially does not allow the richest owners to just go insane with the luxury tax bill. Yeah. And that should be able to help the thunder because if you go too far over the luxury tax, you you now are going to lose some really important stuff that you're not going to want to give up. So it, it seems like those things are good for Oklahoma city from just on the surface level. I, I'm not an expert in any of this stuff. So, but yeah, it seems just, like those are positive developments for the organization. It seems good. The, the load management stuff I think is, I think that's critical for the health of the league and we we've seen what it looks like whenever star players are, are coming to town and they decide that they're not playing that game. They're, they're going to be out just decimates the, the home crowds, right? And in some, some places are going to come and, and pack it out anyways. A lot of places do, but I mean, let's be honest. If LeBron James is coming to town, there's buzz around that. If he's out, he's not going to be playing that buzz definitely is not the same. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully this has the intended effect that it's supposed to have on that note, episode 305 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Wednesday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from three to six on 94, seven, the ref. You can hear me from two to five on Sirius XM, big 12 radio channel three seventy five. Hope you all have an awesome week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.